Chapter fourteen of the Wise Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com. The Wise Woman by George MacDonald. Chapter fourteen the soldiers sent out by the king had no great difficulty in finding agnes's father and mother of whom they demanded if they knew anything of such a young princess as they described the honest pair told them the truth in every point that having lost their own child and found another they had taken her home and treated her as their own that she had indeed called herself a princess but they had not believed her because she did not look like one that even if they had they did not know how they could have done differently seeing they were poor people who could not afford to keep any idle person about the place that they had done their best to teach her good ways and had not parted with her until her bad temper rendered it impossible to put up with her any longer that as to the king's proclamation they heard little of the world's news on their lonely hill and it had never reached them that if it had they did not know how either of them could have gone such a distance from home and left their sheep or their cottage one or the other uncared for you must learn then how both of you can go and your sheep must take care of your cottage said the lawyer and commanded the soldiers to bind them hand and foot heedless of their entreaties to be spared such an indignity the soldiers obeyed bore them to a cart and set out for the king's palace leaving the cottage door open the fire burning the pot of potatoes boiling upon it the sheep scattered over the hill and the dogs not knowing what to do hardly were they gone however before the wise woman walked up with prince behind her peeped into the cottage locked the door put the key in her pocket and then walked away up the hill in a few minutes there arose a great battle between prince and the dog which filled his former place a well-meaning but dull fellow who could fight better than feed prince was not long in showing him that he was meant for his master and then by his efforts and directions to the other dogs the sheep were soon gathered again and out of danger from foxes and bad dogs as soon as this was done the wise woman left them in charge of prince while she went to the next farm to arrange for the folding of the sheep and the feeding of the dogs when the soldiers reached the palace they were ordered to carry their prisoners at once into the presence of the king and queen in the throne-room their two thrones stood upon a high dais at one end and on the floor at the foot of the dais the soldiers laid their helpless prisoners the queen commanded that they should be unbound and ordered them to stand up they obeyed with the dignity of insulted innocence and their bearing offended their foolish majesties meantime the princess after a long day's journey arrived at the palace and walked up to the sentry at the gate stand back said the sentry i wish to go in if you please said the princess gently ha 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 laughed the sentry for he was one of those dull people who form their judgment from a person's clothes without even looking in their eyes and as the princess happened to be in rags her request was amusing and the booby thought himself quite clever for laughing at her so thoroughly i am the princess rosamond said quietly what princess bellowed the man the princess rosamond is there another she answered and asked but the man was so tickled at the wondrous idea of a princess in rags that he scarcely heard what she said for laughing as soon as he recovered a little he proceeded to chuck the princess under the chin saying you're a pretty girl my dear though you ain't no princess rosamond drew back with dignity 
you have spoken three untruths at once she said i am not pretty and i am a princess and if i were dear to you as i ought to be you would not laugh at me because i am badly dressed but stand aside and let me go to my father and mother the tone of her speech and the rebuke she gave him made the man look at her and looking at her he began to tremble inside his foolish body and wonder whether he might not have made a mistake he raised his hand in salute and said i beg your pardon miss but i have express orders to admit no child whatever within the palace gates they tell me his majesty the king says he is sick of children he may well be sick of me thought the princess but it can't mean that he does not want me home again i don't think you can very well call me a child she said looking the sentry full in the face you ain't very big miss answered the soldier but so be you say you ain't a child i'll take the risk the king can only kill me and a man must die once he opened the gate stepped aside and allowed her to pass had she lost her temper as every one but the wise woman would have expected of her he certainly would not have done so she ran into the palace the door of which had been left open by the porter when he followed the soldiers and prisoners to the throne room and bounded up the stairs to look for her father and mother as she passed the door of the throne room she heard an unusual noise in it and running to the king's private entrance over which hung a heavy curtain she peeped past the edge of it and saw to her amazement the shepherd and shepherdess standing like culprits before the king and queen and the same moment heard the king say peasants where is the princess rosamond truly sire we do not know answered the shepherd you ought to know said the king sire we could keep her no longer you confess then said the king suppressing the outbreak of the wrath that boiled up in him that you turned her out of your house for the king had been informed by a swift messenger of all that had passed long before the arrival of the prisoners we did sire but not only could we keep her no longer but we knew not that she was the princess you ought to have known the moment you cast your eyes upon her said the king any one who does not know a princess the moment he sees her ought to have his eyes put out indeed he ought said the queen to this they returned no answer for they had none ready why did you not bring her at once to the palace pursued the king whether you knew her to be a princess or not my proclamation left nothing to your judgment it said every child we heard nothing of the proclamation sire you ought to have heard said the king it is enough that i make proclamations it is for you to read them are they not written in letters of gold upon the brazen gates of this palace a poor shepherd your majesty how often must he leave his flock and go hundreds of miles to look whether there may not be something in letters of gold upon the brazen gates we did not know that your majesty had made a proclamation or even that the princess was lost you ought to have known said the king the shepherd held his peace but said the queen taking up the word all that is as nothing when i think how you misused the darling the only ground the queen had for saying thus was what agnes had told her as to how the princess was dressed and her condition seemed to the queen so miserable that she had imagined all sorts of oppression and cruelty but this was more than the shepherdess who had not yet spoken could bear she would have been dead and not buried long ago madame if i had not carried her home in my two arms why does she say her two arms said the king to himself has she more than two is there treason in that you dressed her in cast-off clothes said the queen 
i dressed her in my own sweet child's sunday clothes and this is what i get for it cried the shepherdess bursting into tears and what did you do with the clothes you took off her sell them put them in the fire madam they were not fit for the poorest child in the mountains they were so ragged that you could see her skin through them in twenty different places you cruel woman to torture a mother's feelings so cried the queen and in her turn burst into tears and i'm sure sobbed the shepherdess i took every pains to teach her what it was right for her to know i taught her to tidy the house and tidy the house moaned the queen my poor wretched offspring and peel the potatoes and peel the potatoes cried the queen oh horror and black her master's boots said the shepherdess black her master's boots shrieked the queen oh my white-handed princess oh my ruined baby what i want to know said the king paying no heed to this maternal duel but patting the top of his sceptre as if it had been the hilt of a sword which he was about to draw is where the princess is now the shepherd made no answer for he had nothing to say more than he had said already you have murdered her shouted the king you shall be tortured till you confess the truth and then you shall be tortured to death for you are the most abominable wretches in the whole wide world who accuses me of crime cried the shepherd indignant i accuse you said the king but you shall see face to face the chief witness to your villainy officer bring the girl silence filled the hall while they waited the king's face was swollen with anger the queen hid hers behind her handkerchief the shepherd and shepherdess bent their eyes on the ground wandering it was with difficulty rosamond could keep her place but so wise had she already become that she saw it would be far better to let everything come out before she interfered at length the door opened and in came the officer followed by agnes looking white as death and mean as sin the shepherdess gave a shriek and darted towards her with arms spread wide the shepherd followed but not so eagerly my child my lost darling my agnes cried the shepherdess hold them asunder shouted the king here is more villainy what have i a scullery maid in my house born of such parents the parents of such a child must be capable of anything take all three of them to the rack stretch them till their joints are torn asunder and give them no water away with them the soldiers approached to lay hands on them but behold a girl all in rags with such a radiant countenance that it was right lovely to see darted between and careless of the royal presence flung herself upon the shepherdess crying do not touch her she is my good kind mistress but the shepherdess could hear or see no one but her agnes and pushed her away then the princess turned with the tears in her eyes to the shepherd and threw her arms about his neck and pulled down his head and kissed him and the tall shepherd lifted her to his bosom and kept her there but his eyes were fixed on his agnes what is the meaning of this cried the king starting up from his throne how did that ragged girl get in here take her away with the rest she is one of them too but the princess made the shepherd set her down and before any one could interfere she had run up the steps of the dais and then the steps of the king's throne like a squirrel flung herself upon the king and began to smother him with kisses 
all stood astonished except the three peasants who did not even see what took place the shepherdess kept calling to her agnes but she was so ashamed that she did not dare even lift her eyes to meet her mother's and the shepherd kept gazing on her in silence as for the king he was so breathless and aghast with astonishment that he was too feeble to fling the ragged child from him as he tried to do but she left him and running down the steps of the one throne and up those of the other began kissing the queen next but the queen cried out get away you great rude child will nobody take her to the rack then the princess hardly knowing what she did for joy that she had come in time ran down the steps of the throne and the dais and placing herself between the shepherd and shepherdess took a hand of each and stood looking at the king and queen end of chapter fourteen recording by nathan at antipodeanwriter dot wordpress dot com